0: Hey guys, we had to shift up the order of the episodes. Initially, this was supposed to be part two with TK, but we had a very special episode with Tyron Daniel where there's a very special announcement at the end that we wanted to push up so that you guys could all hear it before it rolls around. The NCMI Equip is going to be taking place at Anthem, and we wanted to invite you guys all in advance, but there's more details about that at the end. Without further ado, part two with Tyron Daniel, kicking off now.
1: Right, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode two with Tyron Daniel, and uh, it's really awesome to continue the conversation, Tyron. If you didn't get a chance to listen to episode one, make sure you check it out on the podcast. But we're going to get right back into the great conversation we had with Tyron, just navigating the reality of living a life fully devoted to Jesus and what that looks like as we surrender ourselves to the word of God and obey the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's some specifics that I'd love for us to kind of get into, Tyrone, if we can. I know, I know there's no future in our past. I know sometimes it's never a helpful thing for us to kind of be obsessed by things that have happened because we can't ever change the things that have happened, but... Obviously, the you know the global pandemic that we've all kind of gone through was a was a seismic world shifting moment. So I I think it's appropriate at times to look back and to kind of really consider what are some of the things that God was doing at the time. What are some of the things that it's important for us to learn? I I know every one of us, at some point in some way, have done that. So this is not so much a question for you necessarily, although I'm sure there are going to be some personal anecdotes. But what do you believe God was saying to the church through the global pandemic? What do you believe the church as a whole needs to needs to address, be aware of, be alert to what the Lord yeah. is saying?
2: Well, again, bro, it, it was a, probably the craziest time we've all experienced, certainly in my lifetime, and certainly uh, without trying to highlight, you know, I guess and give glory to it, it happened. And it, I think God used it all for mm. his glory. I, I want to say, I don't believe he sent this pandemic and maybe I've lost some of your listeners, but for saying that, I don't believe he did send this pandemic. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't matter about that. I do believe he He, he allowed this pandemic. And yeah. and the reason I know he allowed it is because it happened. And so mm-hmm. I think we've got to realize that God allows these things and God uses them. We claim the whole Romans eight that God does all things for the glory and turns all things to the good. Well, so has He done this? And mm. and I, I listen, I think we've listened a lot, we've watched, we've prayed. I think three major things have happened in this season, are happening, and again, it's more than this. But I've I've shared this many times. But just to give an overview, because then it does give you a bit of under, us a bit of understanding what I think God's been doing around the world. Um, I do want to say it's a global thing, which is a good thing because it's often an American thing or an African. This is a Mm. global thing. And so we've all, the best way it's been described to me is same storm. We've all been in the same storm, but everyone's been in a different boat. And I think the Mm. response is how do we respond in our boat with what we've been doing rather than, Hey, what's everyone else doing? And so Mm. we've had to globally, nation wise, church wise, individual wise, a shift and address what needs to be addressed in our own boat through this crazy storm that we've all been in same storm, but different boat. And I don't think we can all say we're in the same boat because we're not. Mm -hmm. And if we all in the same boat, then we're all shifting the same focus as everyone else has done. And I think there's a lot of individual stuff that needs to be dealt with in churches, nations, and lives. And so I've tried to see it at that. I think God never stopped. As we say, what he was doing in the season, He paused what we were doing. I really Mm -hmm. believe that. Paused what his church was doing globally in a sense to remind us again of what he is doing Mm -hmm. and to remind us that actually without him, we cannot do anything, which we all claim and we know. But I, I do think the church was real busy doing a lot of good stuff, but not the thing God's called us to. And being almost doing it and hoping God's in it. And God stopped that to allow us to come back to what he is doing because he mm-hmm. He never stopped anything through this, this season. He's brought us back to what he's doing. And also, I think, stating the obvious, which we all love to talk about, John 15, and actually he showed us without him we got nothing, we can do nothing. And mm-hmm. so I think that's been part of it. But I think the three major things happening, is that the devil's raging. And I, I don't want to stay on this, but I think we've got to see what's happening globally. The devil's raging like never before. And I think he's a rager and he always rages. But it seems like he's he's gone to another level and raging. And he's got everyone raging against each other and intimidating each other. And and it's evident everywhere. So while that's happening, man is sinning. Or people, I don't want to say man, because everyone thinks we're talking about men. All people. The sin of people has been exposed. And people are sinning. They've always sinned, but now we're sinning at another level. And to be honest, in and out of the church, in our governments globally, it's all being exposed. Mm -hmm. And the tragedy is that no one seems to care. So what? Who cares? Carry on. So you've Mm -hmm. got the devil raging. You've got people sinning. But there's a third aspect that I think we need to focus on more than those other two as the people of God is that thirdly, God is shaking. And I think Mm -hmm. the shaking of God is what we probably haven't looked at. I've been so busy with dealing with the sin of people and the raging of the devil. I've been so distracted Mm. by what the world's doing and what the devil's doing and that God's had to come bring me back in this crazy season to say, no, no, no. I'm actually in this too. What about me? Mm. I'm doing a whole lot of shaking. And so I believe God is shaking and has shaken and he continues to shake. But the the, the good thing about the shakings of God is it reveals what we are anchored to. Mm. Shaking. Reveals what we anchored to. We don't know what we anchored to till we get shaken. And so while I've hated the season, I have to be honest, on the other side, I've loved it because God in his mercy, this side of eternity uh, has given us an out in a sense to come back to what really matters, mm-hmm. rather than to give our lives and ministries and, and resources and everything to things we think God's in. I need to get to heaven one day and find out we've wasted all these days of our lives pouring into things that don't really matter. And so the shaking of God reveals what we anchor to. And the Bible is very clear. Now we're all preaching and I'm back to preaching this again in Hebrews 12, where it says that anything that can be shaken will be shaken. That which is the kingdom, only the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. And Mm. so I feel, believe that in this massive shift and transition, God's revealed his kingdom again. Um. And God has got us back to being a kingdom people. Now, we used to claim king, kingdom, even in our ranks, if I can be brutally honest and vulnerable, we're all about the king and the kingdom. But if you look at what we were busy with is ministry and church stuff. And I feel like God, it's like when you get shaken, you come back to what matters, what are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Where's the biblical backing? Because I want to just give my life to things that matter. So I think the shaking has been the best thing back to kingdom understanding and the kingdom revolves around the king. So we talked the first session about Jesus' role. Well, you can't have a kingdom without a king. You can have a church without a king, but you can't have a kingdom without a king. Mm-hmm. And so I do think God's brought us back to what cannot be shaken. And mm-hmm. and what has been shaken, let's be honest. Let it go. Don't go back to it. Let's pursue the unshakable kingdom. Let's give our lives to things that cannot be shaken. Let's look at ministry through the lenses of the kingdom of God. Let's look at the church through the lenses of the kingdom, not have a church, uh, church-shaped church view of the kingdom. Let's get back to a kingdom-shaped view of the church, mm. which we've all claimed we had. But I think the last three years have shown us where is it all gone? Mm-hmm. Again, if it's gone, it was not kingdom. And so I do think God's pivoted his church um, back from doing church, coming back to kingdom. I think from Jesus having a place to Jesus having first place. I mean, we could go through from what we can do to what he is doing, from a priest, one leader who does everything, to none of the priesthood of all believers. We were forced in the season for the priest to step up. We couldn't gather, uh, and they had to get up. And now as things begin to open, I'm watching the priest... Take it all back, the leaders, mm. rather than no. Let's empower them. So again, I, I think it's probably the best. I mean, I know it is the best thing that could ever have happened to his church globally. Mm. While it's been painful, we've lost, we've lost people through COVID. People have died uh, through COVID. We, I know numbers have been down in most churches, but I think spiritually we're the most healthy we've been in my lifetime. And I think we're going to look at health and fruit rather than results. And momentum. And it's, it's you know, anyway, so I, I think we've made some major shifts. It's And now we're coming out of it. Let's go with what God's shown us. Let's not be nostalgic for an era that yeah. no longer exists. We'll try and go back. Mm. Let's, let's not also be so focused on what God still wants to do. Mm. Let's be looking at what God is doing because I think we've got to function in the now. And so, again, I mean, I'm sure other guys have got major stories around that, but it's tested us. Maybe the biggest test for me, and I've shared this, I think, in your church was, uh, or for that I've seen, is that the call of God's come back to the forefront. I think mm. many people, churches have been position led, and then when this thing hit, many who could do other things have gone and done other things. And, mm. and I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad, and I'm saying well done that you can do something else. But those who've stayed leading, it's because there's nothing else they can do. We've all had to ask that question. Is there something else I can do? Mm -hmm. And if you can say no, then you're the right candidate to lead God's people in this next season into what he has. So calling has come back to the forefront. And I think it's the best thing for the church globally. And so, yeah, we're in a Mm -hmm. sweet season now of transitioning into the next and the new and maybe some of that old must come into the new, but don't go mm. find it. Let it come. And doors have opened that I think were closed. That's the mm. shaking of God. When A lot of people think shaking brings everyone down, and it does. And I've always emphasized the shaking shakes us. But actually, God shakes things to open things up. God shakes things to break things down, to break things open, to open doors. And and so I, I think we've got to be way more strategic and not living for what was. God, the great door open, according to Book of Revelation. He's a door opener. He opens doors that nobody can shut. We love mm. that. Uh, we declare that, oh, God open. But he also, in that same verse, it says that he's the door. He closes doors that no man can open. And nobody loves to preach on the door or closer, because mm. that's the devil must be closing doors. But actually. Mm. God closes doors in order to open doors. And mm. we need to be wiser in our season to know that doors have shut through COVID. And because of COVID, that maybe God's allowed to be shut. Don't try and kick those doors down through the shaking God's open doors. And we got fresh opportunities and new strategies and new ways and calls never change. But the way we go about it, it has to change. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in trouble going forward. So I think so it's good. the best thing and the most painful thing but what a time to, can I say, for us to rewrite or to write some of the, the future of the church, not based on our history, but based on the now and going forward. And I, I, I want to simply do what the Bible says. There's no tricks. Mm-hmm. I want to be led by the Spirit, but I want a backing from Scripture, not where I can find a few Scriptures to back what I believe, to pronounce the Scriptures. This mm-hmm. is what God says. And in that, we have the freedom to get a go about it and find new ways to get the job done so Jesus can come back.
1: Love it. I think there's a simplicity that Jesus is restoring back to the church. You know, I think I was just thinking about this the other day that I think the church to some degree had become like a Christmas tree, you know, like these wonderful ornaments and trinkets that look very impressive, but rooted in absolutely nothing and is yeah. and is eventually going to fall over, you know, but the, the uh, church of Jesus Christ is one that is rooted or ab- that abides in him. And you know, apples produce apple trees not by squeezing out apples, but by just being, being rooted. You know, yeah. it's in their DNA. Uh, you true. know, and I just think there's just for me, there's a simplicity that Jesus is restoring to, to his church. That simplicity, yeah, that simplicity of abiding, that simplicity of being with that simplicity of living in such a way that that Jesus would want us to live if he if he were us you know we're in the middle of a series through mark we've just we're literally going through it really slowly it's like week 15 or week 16 and and it's just been wonderful to to just ask that question what does it mean to follow Jesus what does it look like to live a life that that he would live if, if 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 he were me or you and then I think just to quickly comment and I think you've said this already but I just love the fact that God is not nostalgic for the past you know And I always go back to, you know, uh, after the death of Moses, you know, in Joshua chapter one, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, Joshua, get on with the job kind of thing, you know, and uh, that's not to say we don't, we don't honor, you know, the things that the Lord has done or we don't learn from the things that the Lord has done in the past, but man, oh man, we need to keep our eyes forward, you know, and, and really understand what the Lord is doing now so that we can step into, into what, what, what he's called us to
2: yeah, and I mean, Steve. Just if I can just add this, you know, I think uh, a lot of guys, you know, the ways of God and the will of God are not the same thing always. Or the yeah. way God's will has not changed, and I think that's where we got to know what has changed. Because I listen to people talk now, and it's like, hey, we got free reign to do whatever we want, and and I don't. He actually brought us back to what He's doing, and we need to be about His purpose. I think yeah. if anything, the purpose of God has come back. I mean, you know, your prophet says, "There many other plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails." That. That's what we've seen. And now we must get back to the purpose of God, not our plans. Mm -hmm. So I think we have freedom to plan things, but it's got to be linked to the will and the purpose of God. And and so we've got to get on with the will of God because God hasn't changed it. He's pressing, come on, fulfill my will, get the job done so Jesus can come back. So I love that. I love there's a freedom to keep it simple, to find new strategies and Mm -hmm. ways, but not find a new vision. Yeah. Back to the vision he's given us, which is his word, his purpose and then find ways to go about it. So hopefully not everything's up for the or grab, otherwise we lose our way in saying that, let's go for it, you know.
0: Ty, I'm curious to see if in your mind, we we had RT Kendall on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, and he, he kind of said something similar to this, and I've been reading through a, a book uh, by Mark Sayers, who's actually from Australia, Brilliant mind, really intellectual, takes a lot of what's going on. He's a pastor, but also a cultural commentator of sorts. And he talks about how COVID's decentralized things and it's, it's ripe in the mm. ground for the church, for mm. revival more or less. And and R.T. Kendall had said that, you know, he feels like God's about to, to do something really big in the church. One, I guess, mm. are you are you sensing something similar? If so, do you, do you have any more insight on what you think it might look like? Do you think it's revival? And then two, how do we... uh? How do we best position ourselves as a church to catch this wave of a revival that's coming? I mean, I'm praying and hoping it's uh, it's next week at the Equip. Is it next week? Yeah, no, <laughs> two, weeks. two weeks. Two weeks at the time of this recording. Yeah.
2: So well, you keep praying, bro. That's great. I mean, but, uh, listen, I, I think. Look, I'm certainly not in the level of those guys. So, and I'm not an expert by any means. I. I for me, what God's got to do, God's got to do that. That's, you know, and we call it revival. I, I've got to be so when we talk revival, it means so many different things. Mm-hmm. It's almost, if I can be brave enough to say this and I know I'm going to get some haters, but I'm asking you to hear me in this. I think revival can often be a cop out. God's got to do it. We've got to do nothing. And mm-hmm. and I agree with that, except I can't find biblical backing where we got no say, or, or we don't have a role to play. God doesn't just do stuff. And then we catch him up. God, works through us and so it's cool that God's got to do it but God's doing it he's not stopped and I even think what is revival well it's got to be what God's doing and revival's not just some move of God that leaves us the same it's got to change the cities and regions and nations and, and so I, I think the church you know God has to deal with his church first to get mm-hmm. his church right I think he's been doing that And one of the things he's had to deal with is we cannot do this without him. We claim Mm. to know him. We claim to have him. We got it all over our podcasts and our manners and our signs that God is with us. But we need the proof God being with us. It's Mm. going to be the thing that draws people. So I do believe God is doing something. I I mean, listen, we've just had some meetings in Africa a couple of weeks ago. my goodness, the anticipation, expectation, it's another level because of the appreciation of gathering that we haven't been able to. Do. But also there's this hey God, without you we can't do it. But I also here's my challenge guys, and I've been praying this is that there's this wonderful anticipation, faith to anticipate and faith to expect. but I feel that God's challenge is we need faith to obey. Mm. It's awesome to anticipate and expect. but as I' waiting for God and God saying no, we work hand-in-hand in, hand in partnership. So Good. I do believe there's significant things he's done. And, you know, to be honest, when it comes to revival, whatever that means, if God's doing it, we can't always see it, but we have sensed it. Um, I think the revival's already been happening in this crazy season because God's been doing stuff under current, under things, that's literally brought his church to its knees in a sense and purified his bride and got things sorted out like, I think one of the best descriptions when this thing first hit was someone said, it's like the makeup of the church has been removed mm. and now the heart of the church has been exposed. Easy to put makeup on and cover it all up, but actually our makeup was gone. And in a sense, there's your heart. The people of the world saw the heart of the church rather than the makeup and how quickly people have tried to put the makeup back on. And and I think part of, uh, of God's process is that he will purify us by bringing some of these things to get us back to some of the realities of that. So, mm. Yes, I agree. I believe God is doing stuff. I believe he's always doing stuff. Even the book of Acts, he was doing stuff in between the pages, not just on this. Mm -hmm. uh, You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm not wanting to be anti. I'm just like, we can't wait for God to do something. Then we'll do some. God's called us Mm -hmm. and he's backed us and he's given us all we need. And he will do things around the world. And in our. I think in this nation, we need a real move of God that is not manufactured or caught or taken elsewhere. It's God moving his sovereign hand supernaturally as a demonstration to show the world is real, but also his church to function in that rather than separate from that. And so if you say, how do we position ourselves coming back to what he's doing, surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, coming back to living in his way. And I believe he'll blow wind into those things. So Mm. I believe the new Testament more as well as the old, but I want to live through the lenses of Christ rather than bring the old covenant into the new and say, Hey, hopefully God will do that. Mm. And I think Jesus is the focus of it all. Um, And I know that people want to challenge I'm cool with that. But I just think if we take some of those old Testament truths and stuff, which is relevant and we bring it over Christ or under Christ rather than through Christ, we just bring in some of the old into the new and saying, "God, do it again." Mm-hmm. When God's saying, "I've done it through my Son, I've spoken in finality through my Son." So my thing is, if we obsessed with Jesus, if we get Jesus truly Lordship, Christ revelation, living like Christ, followers of Christ, I think we can bust open big cities for Jesus. You know, and that was kind of the the New Testament pattern of breaking over cities. It's not that God had to show up for them to do it? They did it. They preached the gospel. People got. Uh, repented. And then God, it it was like, God didn't need repentance to show up, God showed up and brought them to repentance. And so Mm. again, it's another way of looking at it. Otherwise, we're always waiting for God. And I think God's like, no, no, I've already commissioned you, just do it. So long Mm. answer, but I I 100% agree with those guys. I'm just not waiting for God to pour out his spirit so we can get on with it. I Mm. feel like he's Working day in and day out, and we've got a job to do. It hasn't changed. Mm. All I know is this we can't do it without him. Yeah. I mean, isn't that where um
1: isn't that where Ephesians 4 and the truth that Paul is is kind of teaching and preaching in Ephesians 4 is so critical? I mean, you know, Jesus sends gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the purpose of not for the purpose of doing the work, but for the purpose of equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. And you know yeah. um, the work of ministry we know is advancing the kingdom of God. You know the right. end will come when the nations have heard the gospel. So we've we've got an idea of what the task is what before before us. It's to yeah. it's to declare the gospel. It's to preach the gospel. Um, and, and in yeah. doing so, the kingdom of God advances. And right. and the reality is Jesus is returning for a bride that is mature, without spot, wrinkle, and blemish. And so, kind of. Yeah. Cri- critical and key to all of this are the gifts that Jesus has given to right. his church. Correct. I mean, am I reading it correct. correctly? Am I understanding that that correctly?
2: Well, if you're reading it incorrectly, then we both are, because I agree <laughs> with that. And, and, again, and it's not to negate God's role, right? He's initiated all, but all that we're living out is his word mm. and his way of how to go about it. So we're not waiting for God to do it. He's, we're waiting We're doing what God's called us to do. And and if you're doing that, you've got the backing of him. Mm -hmm. And uh, if God chooses to pour out his spirit, man, we need to see that. And so I really long for that, but I Mm. can't wait for that because the Holy Spirit's already come according to Acts chapter 1. So... Yes. You know, I think some are waiting and some are doing. we got to do with the backing of heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson we've learned is we can't do any of this in our own strength or even by our own gifting. Mm-hmm. It requires the anointing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's useless and there's no long-term fruit. And so I, I would suggest you're right, Stevie, in my perspective. And mm-hmm. I can say that because we've got the Bible. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. And the old covenant guys never had what we've got. We've got the full, the Bible, the whole Bible, and mm. we know how it ends, and we know what we're called to. So that's why I get nervous when we need God to do bring revival for us. To no, no, He's told us what to do. Just don't do it without Him, and don't do it in place of Him, and don't take the place of Him. But crack on with what He's called you to, and His presence and power must be with you. Otherwise, it's all in the flesh, and we don't need flesh giving birth to flesh. Even mm. good flesh is still flesh. We need spread in us and through us.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, considering the Ephesians four gifts, you know, uh, there's a there's an ease and a comfort with almost everyone who is a follower of Jesus, with with pastors and with teachers and with evangelists. But what is it about prophets and apostles that makes people so so nervous? What is it? why why, why those two? What's the what's the uh, why, Yeah. Why are people so unsettled about those two?
2: Okay, well, at the expense of offending all your listeners, if you ever met a prophet, you'll know exactly why. (laughs) Um, And I say that because I'm not one. But, uh, look, again, I I think there are many answers, and I certainly don't have the answer. Again, if I was the devil, which I already claimed first session, I'm not. But if I was, I would do exactly what he's done and get everyone focused on the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. But forget about those other two because – why? Because they play a major role in certainly foundational mm. stuff, building the church. And so, uh, you know, if you're not building correctly, you can have great gifts have operating, but mm. at the expense of what? Because there's nothing to build or nothing to to bring foundation and strength. And so I think we've seen bad, we've had bad experience on both of those. I think we've had bad experience the church in all five. I think some don't believe any gifts exist. Yeah. Others believe everyone's just a pastor that's, and so for us, again, we got to contend for what the Bible says. Even if we've seen it wrong, we've still got to. Like I've seen bad marriage. It doesn't mean I get rid of marriage. I yeah. believe in marriage. Let's fix it. So I understand the notion of we've seen bad, so we don't want it. Well, that's mm-hmm. ignorance. That's unhelpful. And no wonder the church is such a mess. So we got to come back to what God intended. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think interesting in those gifts that Jesus was very clear. I, I mean, he looked at his baby church. And he looked at this church that was just birthed and he said, here's the thing, for this baby to grow up and become my bride and ready for me, Mm. she needs some things. And I think, well, if it was me, I'd say, give us more money or give us more anointing or more favor Mm -hmm. or whatever. But he knew for her to grow up and be the church he needs her to be so he can come back for her. I'm going to give her five gifts or something, four, I think, five. If you think four, we can still be friends, but you're wrong. But let's go with <laughs> it. But it says in Ephesians, and again, just to state obvious things, because I don't know what listeners are listening, but it's very interesting when Paul talks about these gifts. It's in the unity. It's about the unity, the oneness, one area, and it's living your life according to the, 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 uh, uh, the calling you've received and being faithful and all that. And then he goes, but uh, and he talks about this diversity and unity. But but then he says, it's to each one uh, has given a, as each one as Christ has apportioned it. So it's not mm-hmm. everyone gets it. Each one and not everyone has it. And then he said, it was when he ascended. And I, I think that is so essential when it comes to understanding this translocal ministry and apostolic. They are Christ exalted gifts. Christ ascended. When he was ascended to heaven, he gave these gifts to the church. I, I, I don't know. I mean, some theologians listening would know more than me, I'm sure. But what I find interesting is that when he ascended, he gave gifts, meaning they Christ exalted gifts, meaning when those gifts are functioning in their call the way Jesus intended, they exalt in Christ, not themselves or their gift. Very good. And I would challenge our listeners, especially those of us based in the U.S., how many people are running after those gifts and are enamored by the personality of that gift rather than the person they claim to represent being Jesus. We've got Mm. to come back to functioning in Christ exalted gifts so Christ gets the glory. But then it says he gave these gifts, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some some to be pastors, some to be pastors and teachers. So Just to state, while we are talking about those other two, all five are needed. And in Mm -hmm. my perspective, all five are equal because Jesus said all five are needed. And he didn't say which was better or worse, We've got this notion of, well, the apostle must be the dude and anyone in the big church must be an apostle. And we've got this nonsense Babylonian understanding, worldly thinking. Paul said that apostles are the scum of the earth and, earth and and you can only be what he called you to be, not what you tell people you are. And you can have the cards and the black cards. And, and so I think we just got to stop by the fruit you'll know. But I think the attack that's come on those two gifts, and I would say more on the apostle than the prophet from my understanding. Prophets... People are open to prophets exist, mm-hmm. but they are. We've had bad experiences with prophets because some are, if I can be honest, saying their thing rather than God's thing. They are mm-hmm. unaccountable. They're not based in a team. I think they need a function. They're lone rangers. Uh, some are bringing the distraction. They almost like an old covenant prophet. prophesying doom and gloom, having walked in the the New Testament per se. And Ephesians 4, those gifts were given not to do the job, to equip the saints. So Ephesians 4 prophet, I believe, should be hearing God as well, declaring what God's saying, but they should be uh, helping us hear God rather than telling us always what God's saying. And to be honest, they prophetic words should help us. They should confirm what God's already telling us, not tell us and shock us to change direction of our whole lives. Old covenant was way more that New Testament new covenant, especially Ephesians four. So I think if they're grounded, they're based in local churches, they're accountable, they're part of a team. That people would they oh people I think in our, in the nations are way more open to prophets. But they'll be even more open if the prophets will just get honest and accountable, which is good for them and for their ministry. Mm-hmm. But on the apostle. I think that's one that most people don't believe exists anymore. And I think, again, the devil got it right because of their governance and their foundational truth that they bring and lay foundation. And and I think that's why people say you have to have seen Jesus to be an apostle, um, like literally being with him. It doesn't matter about those other gifts, but apostle. When There there are those who obviously saw Jesus, pre-ascension gift apostles, but there's post-essential through Scripture Mm -hmm. and so on. And Jesus, again, Paul didn't say in in, uh, Ephesians 4, uh, he said all gifts, all five gifts will be given to us till we reach the unity of the faith. The mm-hmm. unity of the faith, in my understanding, is when Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. So that all gifts are relevant, real, and given until Jesus comes back, meaning we still have them today. They don't have to be... Uh, those who've seen Jesus, they called, and then the, the apostles, the apostolos, simply meaning the sent one. But I think with the office and the, the governing, and they don't take governance from the elders, but they bring a governing and a big a big picture vision, I believe, and they're all about vision and they're about king and kingdom and revelation of Christ. I think they help lay that foundation and they set tone for direction. If, if you don't have that in, and set first. That's why I think when apostles are talking about apostles being first, they're not higher or better. Their foundational laying of Christ, then the apostle, the, the evangelist can come, the prophet can come. They're not gonna they can prophesy, but they're not gonna distract or take from Christ. They're gonna build into Christ because that foundation's been laid. So long answer, but I I think it's been the plot of the enemy to get the church to deny that apostles exist and mm-hmm. Hey, bro, what a mess. Look at the mess of the church because we haven't got these master builders or people who can help, not build, help build Mm -hmm. and bring some kind of direction. But also those who are apostles don't have to show I'm an apostle or claim it. They should just be it. And people respond. And they need to understand while they carry governance. They don't carry God. Jesus gave them as gifts, not as governance. So, they can often overstep because if I say I'm an apostle, you need to make room for me and I'm now your leader. That's ridiculous. It's it's functioning properly. So mm-hmm. people deny that they exist or if they've tried an apostle understanding, the apostle owns everything and you need to sow into my ministry. And, buy. and so you've got these warped understandings. So it's easier to just reject it, but we need to fix it mm-hmm. and just come back to Christ exalted, recognized by their fruit, the need. For them, and they don't take the place of Jesus, they point people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And just people also, apostles, and those gifts need to know they exist for the church. Mm -hmm. The church does not exist for these gifts. And I think a lot of people in our nation and in the churches around the world would say, yeah, we believe in this. But basically, those gifts are there to take their church's money and resources so they can fulfill their ministry outside. When that's very different to what the Bible says. And so I believe in partnership. As you guys know, we believe that we we own this together, but these gifts exist for the church. The church not there for the gifts, and we need to fix that. Otherwise, it's always what what can I get rather than how can I serve and how can I give. And that's the attitude I think we need to function
0: properly. So, very good. I, I'm trying to think of a, an example. Ty, last time you were here was uh, it was what, back in March, February? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so… Um, yeah, my, two years ago. That <laughs> and so <laughs> oh, was a few months back. Yeah. And so my life group, we uh we went out after you taught on Saturday and we went to Jenny's and we were talking for two, three hours about some of the stuff that that you were kind of sharing. And I for me, I felt like as a life group leader, man, that was such a blessed moment. Cause I was going, I'm like, oh, let's just get some ice cream and talk. And everybody in the group was like, Whoa, I want to talk about what was just shared, you know? And oh. I felt like that was in a way the church coming into maturity mm-hmm. into wanting yeah. to seek the things of the Lord. And yeah. and it was cool because there were questions specifically, I remember that day you taught about what it meant to be a spirit filled church. And something mm-hmm. that happened was, um, the topic of discussion was when we went to Jenny's, which is an ice cream place here in Chicago. And we were specifically talking about what that meant. And there were some people who had, didn't, didn't have an understanding or had hesitancy to that. And so there was a group of us that were talking and there were two people from our group who actually were not able to make the jennies that day, they happened to be talking about the same thing. So independently, there's wow. these two groups that are talking and desiring the same gift. The next day, that Sunday, you were ministering at the end, asking for people who wanted to receive the baptism of the Spirit. One of the, oh. the sisters in the group actually went up, got prayer, started speaking a new language the next day. And it was, it was just a cool right. way to see the maturity of the church brought out through the gift of apostleship that you brought to Anthem Church, deposited... And then uh is hmm. now we're, we're, we're reaping the fruit and the benefit of that and uh mm-hmm. it's been awesome so uh, I, I don't terrible, know if that's, well, that's if that's great. an anecdote that helps mm, absolutely
2: yeah yeah i think that's i mean for us it's a great testament because that's what we want to see i mean you know the, the difference between guest speakers and 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 these gifts is that they come in to build into the church
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they got to think like builders not blesses and while mm. we all want to be blessed A guest speaker, and again, I'm not anti, but it's not going to build your church. If you come in and tell everyone else, bring your favorite, greatest builders, Mm -hmm. come in and say, okay, what's going to help in the foundation of this church? How do we lay into this? And like you say, it's almost like what happens when you're there is quite irrelevant. It's what happens when you are gone, which would prove the fruit of a Ephesians 4 gift. So it does matter what goes down, but a lot of, you know, Ministry happens in that moment and nothing changes. That's, that's great ministry, but that's not Ephesians 4. Because if we're equipping the saints, people catch it, they begin to walk in it, and that's what we need to see way more. And that's why these gifts were given to the church. And like you said, it's ultimately to mature us. I think a lot of guys look at ministry. We only use half of that scripture in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for ministry period. Most people exclamation period and say our role is to equip the saints to do ministry. Well, I want to say, I think we're the most ministry savvy uh, generation globally in the church than we've ever been. We've got access to everything uh, online, offline, all these gifts and ministries. But at times, and I think COVID's proved that we're probably one of the most immature generations Mm. in the church. And why is that? And forgive me if you're offended, I'm part of that generation. It's because we've, we've, we've put an exclamation saying uh, our job is to equip people for ministry. So people know how to minister, but it goes on and says, so that the body of my Christ may be built up and mature. So actually the ultimate why Jesus gave these gifts is Mm. not so we can all minister so we can get the job done. But more than that, these were gifts were given to get the church to grow up and mature, mm. and nobody likes to talk on maturity. I don't get invited to come preach on maturity because it's like, who wants to be told you need to grow up? My uh. sons hated me to them grow up. Mm. But ultimately, these gifts come to build and to challenge and to encourage, but not so you can be blessed, not just so you can minister. Ultimately, mm. so we can grow up, so Christ can come back for his bride. And so maturity is one of the, I believe, major fruits of a Ephesians 4 gift. And can I suggest one of the major fruits of a apostle Mm. is the maturity of the bride rather than the wildness of, wow, that was awesome. And so I think, yeah, that's why it's lacking, you know? And that's why, again, Steve, your question about why do you think we'd reject the whole apostle thing? Because I don't think they carry that incredible, wow. It's more Mm. like, geez, you're coming in and you're going to challenge the foundation and, and there's signs and wonders, of course, but it's, it's more a challenge than come in and tell us how awesome we are. And, Listen, we got to be told we are awesome, but also we got to tell we become more like Jesus. And that's Mm -hmm. why when you present Christ as your message, then let's be more like him, not like each other. And and so I think maturity is definitely, and just through COVID, because we talked about it earlier, I think this season the church has had to grow up, and we've grown up more in the last three years than maybe in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. We were forced to, through lockdown, come back to what really matters. And so I'm trusting going forward that these gifts will come in and help mature the bride. Rather than just blow her away with how awesome their gift is, and people want to buy their books and podcasts.
1: What do we do to to mature? So if we sit, if we sit under Ephesians 4 ministry, if if I'm if I'm in a church and I and I and I sit under somebody that either my local church or I recognize as an Ephesians 4 gift, and the goal or the the kind of outcome, the desired outcome is maturity. What what does that look like? How do I mature?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think if you opening your heart to receive,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, not just what's been said, but what's been released, because mm-hmm. I think it's not just what they teach, it's what you catch. That's why mm-hmm. I still believe you can't just do it over internet and over the Zoom things. And this is great, but it can't replace us being in your church because there people catch, receive. Paul said, I long to be with you. I don't know how to write a letter. I long to be with you so I can impart to you and make up what's lacking in your faith and this mutual mm-hmm. encouragement. So Very good. This isn't good enough. This is great. It's not to replace. It's a tag on and an add on, but not to replace. So I think it's that. And I know you guys, Steve. You guys at Anthem do this really well. Where you ready your people when they coming and when you got a gift coming and you don't just say hey, we got this guy preaching. We got you get your people ready. You begin to talk about it a few weeks before what it looks like and why these gifts come and what. So when you when we come, arrive there, we don't feel like a guest speaker and tagged on to the rest of your mess or yours sermon or even come and speak on our series come and Mm. bring what God and the whole weekend and we can invest and the space for that I think that's one way of receiving and being open to receive uh, even if you know it all because you probably know everything people are sharing because there's nothing new under the sun but it's being willing to be challenged changed and again the question always when I preach is not do you know this what are we doing with what we know God doesn't care what we know he wants to know what we're doing so I think it's that, and then also going out of this. And I love what was said when you guys got together, having your ice cream and all that. That to me blesses me. That that's being fruit. That's being faithful with these gifts, where mm. you go and talk about it, and not just say, "Hey, hear from God" or re-listen to it online. Let's talk about it. And that to me is how you begin to grow and mature. Is asking questions and taking those things and re-looking. And if we challenge you, read the Bible. Then go read those scriptures don't just listen to it getting it for yourself lord how do what does this have to change and that whole two questions what did he what did god say and what must we do because wherever god always god doesn't speak for the sake of speaking god always speaks for the sake of a response and i think we need to ask those two questions every time uh, we hear a preach anyway but more than that when you got a gift come in ask these two things what did god say and i think you you guys do that where your elders get together say what did god say and what must we do? And there's got to be But I think individually should be doing that as well. Whenever I go to any quip or any, and I'm listening to guys, I always say those two things. When I go home, I get on my, I say, okay, Lord, what did you say and what must I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the maturing. And then you becoming that rather than oh, I've heard this and every year we're hearing and go, oh yeah, I remember that. No, no, let's become what we're hearing. And ultimately if we're hearing about Jesus, then let's become more like Jesus rather than talk about Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. So good. I mean, those two questions, I mean, I've been shaped by those two questions probably 25, 30 years ago. The first time I walked into a church that was relating and partnering with this apostolic team, those were questions that were kind of imparted into my heart many years ago. Just a little side anecdote. I've always been a little nervous to overwhelm myself with too much teaching in the week, because I think we have to be accountable for everything we hear. you know. And I think we live in a generation where we are just downloading sermon after sermon after sermon to in some ways, tickle our ears, and I'm probably going to offend people now, but I think God wants us to to be accountable, and we should take responsibility to ask those questions. What are you saying, Jesus, and what must I do? And if we're listening, huh. listening to seven or eight sermons a week, that's a lot of God saying a lot of things and a lot of stuff that we have to do. Anyway, that's I'm getting it.
2: It's a good truth. Hey? Yeah, it's really good. And, and I mean, let me also just while you're there, <laughs> step on toes and say, be careful who you're listening to. I mean, just because it's good truth doesn't mean it's, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I know that we all like say Paul said, I don't care who preaches why they reason for preaching as long as they're preaching Christ. There's a context to that text. Mm. And the thing I want to say is that you catch the preachers, what they're saying, not just you catch their heart. You yeah. get what they are, not just what they're saying. And I, I think be wise. I mean, it's great we got access to all these things. I'm not saying be aware of it, just be mm. wise who you listen listening to, because you know, yeah, like you say, you're going to be a cunt. I never ever thought of that. Now I'm not going to listen to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what
1: I'm saying. <laughs> good, no, I know. What you're but, but in
2: saying that, yeah. even who you're listening to, you better know who you're listening yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. God doesn't care. We do care because you catch who they are. And a lot of stuff, lot of these guys, the marriages are messed up. They've got mm-hmm. no family life. They're unaccountable. They're characters messed up, but, oh, they can preach. Well, that's yeah. cool, but I, I want to you want to become like those you're listening to, rather than listen to what they have to say.
1: Absolutely, so. absolutely.
0: And you single-handedly can cancel the charges. No ways, no ways. This is good, man. Yeah. You guys are doing a good thing. It's uh, good. It's truth. Well,
1: listen, we're going to bring this into land, but before we do, I just want to take a moment to plug um, an event that Anthem Church is hosting in a couple of weeks. If you are um, in the Chicago area, but I'm actually going to say, if you are living in the US. Um, there's an event that we are hosting. So, New, uh, Anthem Church partners with New Covenant Ministries International. Uh, once a year, churches from around the nation um, gather together for a time of equipping, the very thing that we've just been speaking about, where an Ephesians 4 ministry team with um, various gifts we, uh, minister to uh, those of us within local churches. We gather from around the nation for, for ministry, for teaching, for worship, uh, for fellowship. And uh, for enlarging and equipping so that we can go and do the kingdom work that the Lord has called us to do so that we can become mature. And uh, if this is something that you've never experienced or understood, um, I want to invite you to come along. You can head over to our website, anthemforall.org slash U.S. Equip, anthemforall.org slash U.S. Equip. You can sign up to a two-day, three-night conference and it is honestly, it is a life-changing and life-transforming event—an opportunity to sit under what, for what it's worth, personally, what I believe is authentic Ephesians for ministry. So, I would encourage you to come along. Tyron is going to be there, and uh, others from around the nations. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be an outstanding, outstanding time.
2: Yeah, yeah we got Australians coming. We? we got. Uh... Americans coming, we've got Canadians coming, we got South, South Africans. Africans coming, we've got yeah. Europeans coming. Hey, come and join us! Gonna be a great time yeah. in your city. Come on. Guys,
1: Absolutely.
0: I love the hype. But uh this episode isn't gonna come out until after the year No, went. you're
1: kidding me. I think we need to put it on. I know, I Seriously. Was,
0: yeah, Well, uh okay, we'll, we need, we'll get the one before yeah. <laughs> come year. Yeah, I think we'll well you know let's release this Monday. How about that?
1: I think we should release it Monday and if you're not coming this year, come in twenty twenty three. Yeah. There <laughs> yeah.
0: you go but hey, if uh, Jesus
2: hasn't come back, bro. There yeah, you
0: seriously. Exactly. Tyron, thanks. Thanks for coming on. I, I remember, uh, I, I, I've told you this before. Every time you come to Anthem, something shifts for the better. Um, yeah, and something, absolutely. something changes and you know, whether that's, that's new people coming, people leaving, it's something it's Anthem church is never the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you come and go and, uh, and I remember telling Aiden that he's like, well, yeah, that's what happens when you have the gift of apostleship. And uh, yeah. part of me is a little hesitant about this podcast with having you on. But I'm uh, I'm, I'm kidding. But I'm sure it, uh, it's, it's it's blessed me. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Your ministry is a huge blessing to, mm. to to me. I mean, the people in my life group are seriously blessed that day. And so just, yeah, thank you so much for being on. It's uh, it's really a privilege.
1: Yeah. Tyron, thank you so much. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your leadership. It's an honor to walk alongside you and, and, and do the kingdom things that we get to do together.
2: Appreciate it, guys. Hey, thanks for including me in this. Real privilege. And yeah, see you in Chicago in 10 days or so. Can't wait.
1: There you go. There we go. Thanks. All right. Bye, guys.
2: Bye, see you guys. Awesome, Tyron. Yeah, thanks. thanks,
1: man. Really appreciate it. Cheers, we'll, th- we'll see you in a couple of days.